Peter Alvidi is the longest serving cabinet member in state government in Rhode Island. He started as director of the State Department of Transportation in 2015, early in Gina Raimondo's administration. Alvidi has been an enthusiastic cheerleader for RoadWorks, Raimondo's ambitious effort to improve the state's roads and bridges. But the Rhinot chief also has his share of critics. Some of them sounded off during a state Senate confirmation hearing this week, charging that Alvidi is too focused on cars and not enough on mass transit. What does he say about this? I'm Ian Donis. This week, I'm going in-depth with Rodan's director of transportation, Peter Alvidi. Welcome back to the Public's Radio. Thank you. Nice to be here. Director Alvidi, you're the longest serving cabinet member in state government in Rhode Island. How much longer would you hope to serve as the state's director of transportation? I don't know. You know, Ian, I came in um, when Governor Raimondo eight years ago asked me to uh, take this position. I came in with no preconceived notion of how long I would be here. I simply came in here with um, a job to do and a mission uh, to accomplish. You certainly have firm support from Rodan's political establishment in terms of your performance as director of the State Department of Transportation. Yep. But critics sounded off during a Senate Finance Committee confirmation hearing this week. Let's listen to a comment from Cedric Yee, a high school student in Providence. Peter Alvidi is a 1960s transportation director who is out of touch with what a 21st century Rhode Island wants and needs. But we will not achieve a 21st century transportation system for Rhode Island, and we will not meet our act on climate goals if Peter Alvidi is reconfirmed as director of RIDOT. His history shows this, and we don't, and we have little reason to believe that he will change. So certainly, I'm sure you regard your performance very differently. But if if you're doing as good a job as you say you are, why do critics such as this student, why are they so unhappy with you? I don't know. I think um, I think if they took a look at the performance and what we've done uh, in all of the areas this uh, young man uh, was talking about, I, I think they're misinformed. I think that if you look at, for example... Uh, in the area of transit, we're responsible at DOT for railway transit and um, ferry transit services. Uh, RIPTA is a separate agency from us. They're in charge of transit. Um, they may or may not be doing a good job, but we at DOT are sure as hell doing a good job with our rail transportation. Trains are running on time. We've renovated two of the older uh, South County uh, train stations in the last eight years. We've completely revamped and reorganized the Wickford station to be semi-functional. It was absolutely non-functional eight years ago. We're doing about $24 million worth of improvements to the busiest um, uh, train station on the Northeast Corridor, which is our Providence station. We're expanding that and we're and we're making improvements to make it even more pleasant for people to take the train there. And we just opened a brand new train station at uh, Pawtucket and Central Falls. We'd, we did more in the last eight years for railway transit in the state than had been done for decades prior to this last eight years. So 
I don't know where they're getting their information, but it doesn't line up with reality there. Well, uh, nonetheless, it's not just a high school student saying this. Uh, Scott Wolf of Grow Smart Rhode Island, he's been around for a long time. His organization mm-hmm. has a lot of prominent Rhode Islanders on its board. He testified that Grow Smart is very concerned about RIDOT's, quote, 20th century autocentric transportation priorities for Rhode Island, especially when a greater use of multimodal transit offers economic environmental, and other benefits. So he's not convinced that RIDOT is doing enough for multimodal modal transit. Is, is Scott Wolf right? No, he's absolutely not right. And I've said that on a number of occasions. I don't know where Scott Wolf gets his information from because with regard to our multimodal and, for example, bike and ped kind of investments here in Rhode Island, prior to eight years ago, there was no bike mobility plan. There was none. There was no long-term funding for bike path and and pedestrian kind of infrastructure. And for the first time ever in the state of Rhode Island, we created a 10-year plan uh, eight years ago that included over $200 million investment in bike and ped improvements in this state. And we've just upped that in in our current 10-year plan. There's now $30 million, $300 million over the next 10 years that we will be investing in bike and pen improvements. Now, Scott and his and some of his colleagues that are on GrowSmart have actually made the recommendation at some point, I, I don't remember when it was, but I recall them making a statement that we should be spending half of RIDOT's capital budget for these active transportation kinds of facilities. And I will tell you that we are not going to do that. I think that's irresponsible. Right now, according to our counts and according to the data we have, about 2% of Rhode Islanders are availing themselves to uh, active transportation modes. I see it would be irresponsible for us to take half of our capital budget to devote to the benefit of 2% of its users. There have been a couple of high, highly publicized episodes recently in which people have been struck by cars, including Superior Court Judge Richard Leach. Yes. Uh, some people see this as a crisis for pedestrian safety in Providence and in Rhode Island. Let's listen to a comment from a Providence resident named Sean Sierra Pative. Trying to traverse really any of the DOT-controlled streets or intersections in the city outside of a car is a hostile and dangerous task. And here's a comment from Val Reischuk. When we talk to OT about pedestrian death, we don't get compassion and we don't get that forward thinking. We don't get 21st century leadership. So, Director Alviti, first off, how does Rodan compare to other states on pedestrian injuries and deaths? Are we worse, average, or something else? Actually, the, uh, the most recent ranking for highway safety and pedestrian deaths, okay, or all deaths on our highways, uh, pedestrian and vehicular deaths, we're about seventh in the nation from the top. From the top, not seventh from the bottom. We're seventh from the top in terms of the safety that we do. We have great safety programs that are yielding much benefits uh, to the people in Rhode Island. I don't know who these two people talk to that they say they talked to at DOT and didn't get compassion. But let me tell you something. I, I, um, unless these people actually experience the tragedy of losing someone, 
they should not use these kinds of unfortunate tragedies that are happening to to families here in Rhode Island for some agenda that they may have. We don't do that at DOT. We take these we take these highway deaths and pedestrian deaths very seriously. We take every accident very seriously. And in the case of the ones that they cited, our eyes are certainly on that. We're waiting for we're waiting for some of the data to come back from the police findings on those accidents. And we will act, rest assured, we will act accordingly to what we find in those police reports. Another big issue facing Rhode Island and the world is climate change. Some people like Michael Kearney from Providence say the state has to be more proactive in facing climate change on transit-related issues. Here's his comment. Mr. Elvidi said earlier that he's waiting for change on non-car transportation. That doesn't make sense. We can't wait for people to use bike lanes and transit that don't exist. So what do you say to the argument that the state needs to be moving more quickly, that your department, DOT, needs to be moving more quickly with a plan to prepare for the requirements of the Act on Climate? So we're doing that. Um, With regard to the part of the transportation system that we are responsible for, we're certainly doing that. We talked about the train station improvements that we've made. I've talked to you about the... $300 $300 million now that we have in projects ahead of us, and we'll provide you with a list of those projects. There are two arms length of, of projects that we have coming up. And uh, about nearly $200 million just in the last eight years that we have spent already on making <clears throat> bicycle and, and pedestrian improvements. So I think their comments, <clears throat> while maybe well-intended, uh, are, even in the most favorable light, very ill-informed. I don't know where they're getting their data from or where they're getting their information. With regard to bus transit, RIPT is a separate agency from us. We don't control their budget. We don't control their management. We don't control their operations. And we don't control their capital improvements. That's entirely under the control of RIPTA. It's a separate agency from us. So if they have a problem with what's happening, and by the way, for the densest state in the country, we've got maybe a 3% usage rate of our transit system here in Rhode Island. So that's a symptom of a much bigger problem that I think should be addressed, but they need to talk to RIPTA about about those issues. The state's truck tolling program is on hold right now due to an adverse decision in court. If that decision is upheld, how will the state replace the lost revenue that was anticipated from tolling? Right now, the governor and the legislature uh, are in the budgetary process, but in the budget, in the budgets that are proposed, we're covered for the next two years with regard to the state year, with the state share of our funding. Keep in mind, only 20% of the funding that we use for uh, DOT capital improvements comes from Rhode Islanders. The other 80% is all federally funded. But that 20% is very important. And the tolls were about 10% of that. Um, and for now, we've re- worked with the governor and we're working with the legislature to make sure that the state share for the next two years worth of capital projects is fine. So we're good for the next two years. During this next two years, there's a bigger discussion that will be happening. 
I've already discussed with the governor, the speaker, and the Senate president the need for us to begin um, talking about how the gas tax revenue, that is the primary source of revenue for uh, transportation projects here, here in the state, needs to be transformed away from a fossil fuel kind of dependent revenue stream to something that will be more sustainable, reliable, and dedicated over the next 20, 30, 40 years. We're already conducting studies. The, the um, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee um, and we at DOT are engaging in discussions with Syracuse University to help us determine what the gas tax, how the gas tax revenues will morph as the transition to electric vehicles takes place. And we will be making recommendations to uh, the legislature and the governor about how we can change the composition of the revenue stream that supports um, transportation to make it more resilient in the future. All right. We've got to leave it there. We're out of time. Thank you for joining us, Director of the Rhode Island Department of Transportation, Peter Alviti. Thank you, Ian. Nice being here. In the time after the 2020 presidential election, polls showed that a lot of Republicans bought Donald Trump's false story about a stolen election. That made me curious about what the situation was like here in Rhode Island. Late last summer, I started looking into it. The state Republican Party had a different focus in the last campaign season on pocketbook issues. But as I reported earlier this week, a local website offers a portal to a world of election deniers and conspiracy theorists. For the story behind the story of how I learned about this and a lot more, check out my Friday TGIF column posting around four today on thepublicsradio.org or on my Twitter at Ian Don. That's our show for this week. Our producer is James Baumgartner. I'm Ian Donis, and I'll see you on the radio.